0: Welcome back to another episode of the Young Guides Podcast. I'm Keaton, and this is... I'm Kyle. But first, a word from our partners.
1: First up, we want to talk about Heather's Choice. If you go to the Heather's Choice website and use our code, The Young Guides 15 at checkout, you can get yourself 15% off site-wide. So go check them out. We got packaroons for snacks. We got dinners. We got breakfasts. We got a bunch of new recipes coming out to you guys. So head on over to heatherschoice.com at checkout, use our code, the young guides 15 and get you guys something for your next outdoor adventure. Awesome. For
0: our next partner, we have lucky bug lures home of the bingo Bug, zombie max fusion, extreme lucky plug F bomb and pike bomb. They take conventional lures and change them up a little bit and it helps your fishing And your luck on the water. Go check them out. www.luckybuglures.com Go get yours today.
1: All right. Up next, we have Northern Knits. Emily up here in Anchorage knits wool hats and uh, distributes them through her social media platforms. You can find her on Facebook or on Instagram. Her Instagram account is northern underscore dot knits and uh, you can see some of the hats that she has in stock and order from there or you can kind of get an idea of what you want message her and you can set something up uh, to have a specific uh, pattern or color scheme that you want in your hat keaton and i both have one well uh, i actually have several keep you very warm they're very fashionable they look great they feel great You'll look awesome if you wear one So Check her out, Northern Knits. Next
0: up, we have a friend, Matt, at Alaska Rodco. He just released a new lineup of rods for the 2022 season. They have a lineup of eight freshwater spinning rods with actions and power for anglers chasing big, aggressive fish. With lengths ranging from six foot to nine foot, there are plenty of options for various applications and style. In a world full of mass-produced rods, Alaska Rod Co. makes sure that rods and services provide what other brands cannot. Rods built and tested in Alaska.
1: Matt also is coming out with a new line of fly rods. Alaska Rodco fly rods are built for harsh environments while maintaining the utmost level of craftsmanship. Right now, Alaska Rodco is nine foot fly rods ranging from five weights to eight weights, 10 foot single hand rods, switch and spare rods will be available late winter or spring. There's enough rod comings out there trying to build the next lightest and flashy rod. Alaska Rodco is here to build you a rod. You can pass down generations. Fishing means many things to many different people. Alaska Rod Co. is honored to build you the ultimate tool that connects you to that meaning.
0: If you want to learn a little bit more about Alaska Rod Company, go back and check our previous podcast. We asked him several questions about his rods, his warranties. Um, it does, he does a great job at explaining everything and covering everything about his company. Also, if you have questions, you can always DM him or DM us and we can get you going in the right direction. So Alaska Rodco.
1: Finally, we want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the Young Guides podcast. If you can head on over to Apple podcast, leave us a review and a rating. It helps us know that we're uh, doing this for the right reasons. And you guys are giving us some great feedback already. You can also head over to Spotify. They now have a rating feature on the podcast there. So if you could let us know how we're doing, that would be great. It also helps you, or excuse me, helps us spread the word through you, um, but makes us pop up on the feeds. Um, wherever you listen to podcasts a lot more, if you give us a great rating and a great review, you can also head to our website and contact us through that form. If there's anything that you think we should know about, if you want to be on our show or if there is something that uh, we need to work on, you can also find us on Instagram and same thing. Give us some feedback, drop us a message and we will get back to you.
0: With Instagram, make sure to also check our story. We, uh, Before we do our podcast on Thursdays, we always have an option for you guys to ask questions to the people coming on our podcast. Um, and we, get, we post a lot of stuff that we like to get uh, viewers and people following us involved. So if you want to h- head on over, give us a follow and uh, start asking questions and join in on the fun on our Instagram page. Without further ado, here's the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Young Guides Podcast. I'm Keaton, and this is... I'm Kyle. So today on our podcast, we have Adrian Jimenez. Um, very excited to have him on. Recreational bass fisherman. Knows a lot of stuff. Uh, I knew Adrian since probably since high school, uh, maybe even before that. And uh, I've been following him along, and he's great bass fisherman. He fishes... A, all over washington state but uh he fishes you know big lakes little lakes variety of times of the years and so i thought what great knowledge to bring him on and and kind of just talk about bass fishing and maybe talk about a little the upcoming season without further ado here is adrian how are you doing welcome to the podcast
2: i'm doing good man thanks for uh thanks for bringing me on the podcast i'm excited to talk about bass fishing it's something i'm very passionate about so it's always fun to talk to uh, young anglers and just anglers alike uh, spread my knowledge about bass fishing especially here in washington state
1: for sure for sure so adrian why uh, why don't you start uh, by telling us a little bit about your background and and how you got into the outdoors and into fishing
2: yeah so i first started fishing when i was about five to six years old i actually i i wasn't i wasn't born in washington state i was actually born on a little island called guam um and i actually started saltwater fishing there so my dad and i would drive about 10 minutes to a little boat launch and we would just you know cast little shrimp uh, crab octopus anything that we could cast out there and that's how i kind of got into fishing um and then after that we moved i moved to california about when i was about i'd say 10 years old and that's where i really immersed myself in in saltwater fishing um so I started fishing off of piers. Um, my dad's, well my grandpa on my dad's side. Uh, he ended up getting a boat and we, we'd take it out all the time and we take it out to the ocean and we caught a lot of, there's these species called mackerel, uh, bonita, pretty much warm water saltwater species. And um, from there, I'd say around – and then five years later, around when I was 15, that's when I moved to Washington State, and that's where I started bass fishing. So I've been doing it for quite a long time now. Um, And to touch up on it, I did do a little bass fishing in California uh, here and there, but it wasn't something that I – I really focused on just cause ocean fishing was kind of my thing then and there. But then when I moved to Washington state, that's when I really started to go bass fishing and, and learn tools of the trade and, and what to do and what to use and techniques to learn. Um, the very first bass I caught was uh on Lake Washington in Jean Coulon Park actually which is the very southern end of Lake Washington um, and then from there I kind of just took off and now it's it's like I can't stop doing it <laughs> awesome
0: <clears throat> so you uh you kind of missed the ball when you didn't do any bass fishing in California because I heard California has some phenomenal fisheries
2: yeah, they do. So the way they manage their fisheries is just a uh, equation for, for big bass. Uh, they do stock a lot of trout there and they have a lot of reservoirs. So those trout get big and those bass actually have a lot of access to deep water for them to get big and uh, they feed on the trout all day. Um, but yeah, I, I did kind of miss, miss it. Um, I, I, I actually went this year uh springtime early march and I caught a few on clear lake but, but yeah I definitely missed it when I was younger
1: <laughs> gotcha
2: so, so why do you like uh like bass
0: fishing over other fisheries like other fishing options that you can do in Washington
2: I think it's the the versatility you know I can with enough knowledge I can fish bass practically all year long, you know, depending on the lake, of course. But I think I'm, it's, it's kind of just like hunting to me. I can pattern these fish. And once you kind of pattern them, you, you kind of know what to do and what to throw. And then I think it's the whole sense of just figuring them out Mm -hmm. and, I just like the aggressiveness of these fish, um, when it comes to, you know, just throwing lures and baits and having them, uh, attack your lures and baits. Yeah.
1: Heck yeah. So, um, what got you like, so what made you want to try bass fishing in Washington? Like what was going from saltwater and doing that in California when you moved up, like what made you say I want to try doing bass fishing?
2: Yeah, so I actually have a little story. Um, so, as I already said, I caught my first bass on these uh, on Lake Washington, at uh, Jean Coulon Park. Uh, the reason why I chose that spot was one, I lived about five minutes, like five to ten minutes up the hill from there so I could just drive down. Um, and to get back to the story, I I went so it was kind of my first day or I would say first weekend in Washington State. Um, you know I wanted to check the area out, so we went down to the park, uh, Kluon Park, and I sat on the dock and there was this guy fishing for bass and he was throwing a, a stick bait, uh, a Senko, which is pretty much just a soft plastic stick bait, and he threw it at the rocks. And he was throwing and throwing and casting and casting. And usually I'm just familiar with throwing um, just the weight on the bottom with a bait uh, or bait under a bobber. But yeah, he was constantly casting and casting and retrieving. And I was very curious to what he was fishing for. And before I could even go up to him and ask, what he was fishing for he actually hooked into a, a four pound smallmouth
0: wow
2: and, and and that's a pretty decent bass um and after that i was like you know maybe i should give it a shot because i'm i'm always open to learning new things and curious so in that exact same spot i came back i believe the next weekend and i remember throwing a those little Berkeley gulp worms they were in the the little glass containers with the black caps on them I threw it under a bobber and uh, I I ended up catching a, a smallmouth bass on that same spot it wasn't as big but I would say that gentleman that <laughs> caught that bass in front of me you know I was I was such a young gun uh, I was so Astonished by this four pound smallmouth that he just pulls out of the water. And that's kind of why, you know, I decided to
1: try it. Heck yeah. That's awesome.
0: When you kind of dove into like bass fishing, and I mean, we all kind of join at some point, some type of fishing, and then it becomes an obsession. But did you find like a community? Uh, that was welcoming around you, or did it take a bit? Like you had to figure some stuff out, and then you started meeting people along the way.
2: Uh, that's a good question, um, because with the bass fishing community, to be honest, it's I would say it's not as open as um, I would say other type of fishing, just yeah. because. I think bass fishing is very, um, you know, it, it really, it, it depends on the location. It's heavily on location, location, location. And most guys are, aren't willing to share the location of where they caught their fish. Um, uh, that's kind of with, with other things too. But with bass fishing, I kind of had to take, you know, my own steps and learn along the way. <laughs> and then yeah. from there i kind of um made friends um along along my journey um i didn't really get uh that much assistance and you know learning learning yeah the bass fish here so
0: well, that makes sense i mean compared to like uh like other communities the i mean fishing's kind of getting this way where it's like oh don't share anything because like fishing's getting tougher and tougher um with like the amount of fish depends on the fishery and everything but i've noticed that especially in like going from like maybe the fly fishing community that's like more welcoming to like give you information like you try to approach that same energy to like the bass community the bass community is going to be like well you can go here and they'll give you like a lake and they'll might give you like a few things to try, but they're not going to tell you like where to go or what depth to use that at, or like, which is like no, nothing on the bass community. I think it's more of a competitive community than like other communities per se.
2: Yeah. I was going to say it's uh it's also kind of, I would get, I, I mean, I guess you can say egotistic. Cause I think a lot of, a lot of the bass fishing community, it's, it's really all about size, you know. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you haven't noticed, but like, <laughs> you'll you'll see people posting photos of a big bass, and then they'll they'll blur they'll blur the background or they'll do something along those lines. Yeah. But yeah. I was gonna say you could take the same energy, you know. Ask I don't know. Go go on any forum and ask um, if you saw a photo of a bass that was caught. Ask where it was. They usually don't share it, or even give you the lake name, or even, yeah, you know, a general area like a hundred miles of that general area. But yeah, it's yeah,
0: it's crazy. I mean, everyone's got their own thing, but
2: yeah, I mean, I get it because a lot of these guys, <laughs> they work their butts off to to get that fish because it is here in Washington. The average bass size is two to three pounds, and to get something over, you know, four to five pounds, it takes a lot of work. Sometimes you get lucky, but yeah, it does take a lot of work. So. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: And, no, I mean, you see things like growing up on the Sportsman's Channel, right? Or like growing up, bass fishing is like, I feel like that's like the image of fishing, right? I mean, I feel like that's like the most um, easily accessible fish for most of the population in the United States, whereas up in like the Pacific Northwest, you really, I mean, obviously there's good bass fishing, but it's not like, that's not the number one thing, right? Cause we have steelhead and we have salmon, whereas a lot of those other places don't. And I, I feel like there's just more people that do it. And then you do have kind of tend to find some of that with the bigger population fishing that you tend to find people who are more about the big fish photos or Hold, uh, getting a whole bag of fish and and like tournaments, for example, yeah. is a good good way to look at it because you don't see. I mean, you might see like a salmon derby ride or like the biggest salmon of the day or most trout or whatever, but there's nothing huge and like as organized as a bass fishing tournament. Yeah. yeah,
2: like you said, it's it's so widespread. I mean, you have both small mouth and largemouth in in fifty states, mm-hmm. so. it it makes sense
0: another way to add on kyle is kind of like it's it was more of like a production fish in some ways like you you're you're gonna see that more on television than like just recently we're starting to see like fly fishing and you know trout fishing or i mean you still see salmon stuff here and there but it's like when it comes down to it you're gonna go on that channel and it was gonna be for the majority like mlf for you know someone's bass fishing or someone's backyard bass fishing so i think it was more easier to make a production and teach someone about that than like going through the skill sets of trying to teach someone in a 30 minute period about fly fishing so so let's got we kind of talked about like why you got into fishing kind of the the things about bass fishing but let's get into some like um into some detailed stuff if um so like what is your favorite time of the year to fish for bass
2: Ooh, favorite time of the year i would say i would say the fall time the fall time yeah um it's it's definitely one of my favorite time of the year to fish for bass just because uh, just like just like I mean everything else they're they're getting ready for the winter time so they're a lot more vulnerable uh, you could you could trick them a lot easier with lures yeah uh, they just they just want to eat you know they just want to they want to feed up and depending on the lake they school up so if you catch one you could catch multiples and that's usually when you could catch your 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 personal best so fall time has to be one of my favorite seasons awesome
1: nice uh, real quick, I wanted to ask this question before we get too deep. When you're when you're looking at like Washington State, how how would you break it up like West Side versus East Side? I um, feel like in a lot of ways we're unique with the Columbia River and all those reservoirs that it creates. Like like how do you break up Washington? I guess real quick.
2: Yeah, I mean exactly as you put it. I I West Side and East Side. Most of the things you applying east side you could apply to most lakes on the east side and the same with western washington um you could go all the way up north by bellingham and fish the same techniques go down south by vancouver washington and and fish the same techniques. so that's how i kind of break it up western uh washington eastern washington very similar techniques for both sides
0: nice (laughs) Do you find do you find the same techniques being used like if you go fish uh, a river compared to a lake or do do you feel like you have to change your your patterns and techniques up?
2: Uh, it varies depending on what we we're talking about, but yes, I, I am going to change it up just because the biggest thing is water flow is is what change your changes your presentation yeah. and how that lure gets to that fish and where the fish sit too um with seams and whatnot so
0: yeah i figure it's pretty similar to almost most fish in a river you know they're gonna find their feeding lanes and stuff like that
2: yep exactly
1: so break it down then so you say your favorite time is fall um say you have the option to go fish anywhere for the day in washington state for bass um, what, where would you choose to go and like how are you gonna approach that fishery for the day?
2: Hmm, I would. It's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break it down into two, two parts here. So, sure, I'll mention uh, a lake in Western Washington, and then I'll mention another body of water in Eastern Washington. Uh, the first body of water is, is, In western washington is lake washington it's 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 a very urban fishery i mean it's it's in the heart of seattle but the smallmouth fishing there is is excellent in the fall time Um, so the way i would approach it is usually what these fish do is when the water temp drops to i'd say around 60 to 64 degrees is when they'll really start to school up and they'll, they'll school up around, I would say, anywhere from, it really varies, anywhere from 15 to 25 feet. And th- this is specifically for smallmouth and like Washington. Um, I kind of wanted to focus on that because they they rule that lake, they, they are the apex predators in that lake. There, there is some largemouth spots there. But anyways, yeah, the smallmouth will school up around 15 to 25 feet. So what I would do is I would find main lake points. So it, it really helps if you could read a, a, a topographical map. Because you can find main lake points, and any main lake points, you want to fish on the the steeper side, so the side that uh, that that goes from shallow to deep, uh, extremely fast, uh, because they can move up and down that and just feed on bait fish, and I like to throw moving baits this time of the year. I like to cover water because um there is that saying where uh i think it's 90 i can't remember what it was i think it's like 90% of the fish is in the 10% of you know that body of water and that that cannot be more true for fall fishing because that's why that, that's why i like to cover water that's like that's why i like to throw moving baits so a couple of examples would be like a spinnerbait which is a a wire with a a skirt on it and then maybe like usually two to three blades um i like to cast that uh gives off a little shine Um, it imitates a school of bait fish and then i'll throw like a, a crankbait which which pretty much you just cast that out crank it down to desired depth usually and then another one is if it's really slow and the fish aren't really honing in on those moving baits uh, it's called a drop shot and that's one of the best techniques my go-to techniques in in washington state i mean you it's just a weight and then the hook and then you have like a soft plastic your choice of soft plastic on the on the hook and then i'll just focus on just points and that's that's pretty much the general rule for success there and can't really go wrong there really? nice. and then uh eastern washington uh that's a lot of fun um i wouldn't say it's easier but it's definitely not as hard just because um obviously not as much people these fish are not accustomed to much lures um but as far as eastern washington goes if i would say around like kind of near hmm, trying to figure out whether <laughs> i should mention
1: uh, well you don't have to mention anything either sorry, if you see a, to- a reservoir or a lake oh.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was trying to figure out whether or not I should mention the Columbia or one of the lakes I go to. Um, okay, let's just let's just say uh, Potholes Reservoir, just because I'm I'm super familiar with that area. For sure, um, it's it's one of the mo- well-known areas in Eastern Washington once you pass Vantage. So, but yeah, Potholes Reservoir. Um, now, um, with it, it really depends because the water levels rise and fall there but generally we're going to be talking about largemouth bass um Next. So, so same you know same water temp uh, around the same water temp at least but what dictates these fish to heavily feed is actually not just water temp and it's actually the the length of day you know these fish survive out there they know when winter time is coming the length of day and it triggers their triggers their, their feeding mood um with with largemouth with this technique they generally don't school up so what they'll do in potholes reservoir is there's a lot of these these trees uh, a lot of shallow trees up north the northern side of the lake and they'll move up there to feed because there's a lot of bait fish there and a lot of coverts it's it's super easy from the ambush things Uh, largemouth bass are more of an ambush um, compared to a smallmouth bass, where they're more of a, a chase, chase down and eat, where a largemouth will just hide and ambush. So, in potholes, I'll throw uh, a swim jig. So it's just a a, um, a weighted jig head with a skirt, and then I'll throw like a soft plastic behind it, um, like, yeah. a, like a like a swim bait that would imitate uh, a bluegill um a crawfish um any of that stuff and the potholes one of the best colors i don't like to tell people this but one of the best colors in potholes is just straight black because believe it or not the reason why the fish in there get so big is because they feed a lot on the the bullhead catfish oh really yeah, they do. I've caught many bass with bullhead <laughs> catfish down their throat. I mean, I don't know if it's their first option because honestly, that would probably be the last thing I'd eat because of, of their spines. But yeah, they they feed a lot um, on the bullhead catfish there. So like a black <clears throat> or just a straight brown yeah. is excellent there. And then uh, you would do like a spinner bait. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, a swim jig. Which is is practically like a spinnerbait, just without the wires and the blade. Um, if it's if it's windy out and the su- it's like partly sunny to sunny, then I'll throw that spinnerbait to get that shine from those blades. But if it's if it's cloudy or it's semi calm, then I'll go ahead and pick up that swim jig, um, just because it also goes through. Cover a lot better, and yeah. And uh, one more, one more bait would be like a frog, just because it's so shallow. So any any weedless topwater lure will work. Uh, like a a frog. Uh, one of my uh, a couple of my favorites are a classic ones. It's like a Spro Bronze Eye frog in black. Uh, you want that darker color to silhouette up against that sky, or like a, a live target frog it, it, you could practically i mean use any any lure, a topwater lure it just has to be realist it has to go through that cover so no yeah so potholes reservoir you know eastern washington just past vantage just go shallow um fish the trees weave your way in and out and then western washington kind of focus on that 15 to 25 feet for smallmouth bass and you'll find them schooling and yeah i mean that's a, pretty much a easy you know beginner recipe for success and you kind of kind of work your way from there
0: <clears throat> so like so in the different seasons of the year do you find that these fish will like move and then settle in a, into a certain depth and then move and settle into the next depth like going back and forth or do you find that, that like almost in the spring they'll come all the way shallow and then you know as the year goes on they start moving deeper and deeper and deeper
2: yeah we can kind of talk about the different seasons uh just because it's it's a little bit easier to understand yeah so let's start with spring since you know spring is is practically here a lot of the lakes open up on uh april 30th i believe so these fish are going to be coming from their, their wintering holes, right? So usually the deepest part of the lake. So, and the reason why they do that is because there's, there's actually what, what's called a, a, a turnover. So in the fall time, the, the warmer water will, will turn over. It, it's so easy that it's hard to explain, but it, it's quite literally the water warm water so there's warm water up top and then cold water um down low and then it kind of it kind of flips once it hits a certain temperature so that's that's that that's a fall that's a a turnover a fall turnover and that line that separates the warm water and the cold water is called the thermocline and the fall time that flips over so these these fish will go to that's why the fish they usually go to the deepest Deepest holes, you know, on that lake. So, uh, so on that lake, on a, on on a particular type of lake. So from that, from their wintering holes, that's when they move up mm-hmm. to, to to spawn. So the, the what the whole goal, the whole premise for these fish is, is to feed and and spawn that's that's all they want to do right so they'll they'll go from the deep holes and then they'll make their way to a main lake point from the main lake point they'll go to a secondary uh, secondary point and then uh from the secondary point then that's when they'll make their way to a a flat is where they'll they'll do their spawning they'll do their cruising Um, and then that's where they'll kind of search breeding grounds and whatnot and it it doesn't have to be a main lake point or a secondary point if you were to uh let's let's say like lake desire in in maple valley it's Uh it's around lake there's there's really only that like that one point there if it's a lake like that that's shaped like a bowl they'll they'll move up to the ends of docks. So they'll focus on the ends of the docks and then they'll work, work the way shallow. If there's wood there, they really like wood in the springtime because it actually holds a lot of heat, especially when the sun's out.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I don't know if you've, if, if you've felt you know a piece of wood in the sun that's been submerged. It's, it's like a degree or two warmer and those fish literally hug it. So, yeah. So they'll have their backs up against to it, or, or sometimes what they'll do in the springtime is, the, they'll be sunning and they'll go so shallow that you'll see these fishes back like in inches of water. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, those fish are kind of hard to catch because they're, you know, they're spooky. But yeah, they're they're doing that. They're just they're they're sunning. Um, but yeah, if like Lake Desire, it's a it's a it's a bowl, so it's yeah. literally just imagine a bowl. That's that's how Lake Desire is. That's actually how a lot of the lakes over by that area are. Yes. So if that was the case, you know, then you'd focus on the docks, and they'll they'll kind of follow the the, the docks. Uh, they'll follow the posts, work their way shallower. Uh, in in that case the the best stocks are the longest stocks because they have they have that access to deep water and they they literally just could follow the posts all the way to shallow water spawn be done and then and then follow their way out again so
0: yeah cool
2: yeah um and then summertime um did you want me to talk about you know the summertime and yeah absolutely they're okay
0: i love summertime bass fishing oh and yeah I, I just like it because i think i get to be in a tank top and it's sunny <laughs> get to catch some big fish too
2: um i also like to tell people summer is the best time if you're like a trout guy is just give those trout a break because it's so hot and you know as you know trout are cold water fish um it's it's nice to just fish for bass and kind of give the trout a break, yeah. Because uh, their their survival rate in that warm water is not the best. So
0: <laughs> not at all.
2: <laughs> especially um,
0: especially those summertime rivers and creeks, they get pretty warm around here.
2: Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, so yeah. So once they move into the sh- shallow area and the flats you know they, they've done their breeding or they've done their spawn they'll uh, the male will stay back and defend the nest up until the, the eggs hatch and the fry I mean they'll, they'll take care of their fry for like two to three weeks and then the females, this is why I say, like, those, those longer docks are the best, is because the females will actually – so they do two things. One, they go into the heaviest, nastiest cover because they need a recover. Yeah. Or two, they go out to deeper water. And generally speaking, the females are always going to be the bigger fish.
0: Uh-huh.
2: So yeah the females when they'll go into heavy cover or they'll go into deeper water to recover and they'll during that time they, they they're catchable because uh, they want to eat as well because they're hungry, they're exhausted.
0: Yeah, they lost all that weight.
2: Yeah they lost all that weight they, they kind of need to recuperate and get all that weight back and need, they need to get their nutrients back. So that's what the females will do, and then the males stay back. Um, if any lake here in Washington, go—I mean, come like mid-May. You could go to any lake. Go to the shallows. If there's bass, there's gonna be a male guarding its bed. Yeah, you, you'll you'll see fry everywhere. It, it practically just looks like black dots in the water. <laughs> and there there will be a male close to there and that's kind of the the post uh, we like to call it post spawn it, it's it's kind of a weird situation because it could either be extremely good or it could be really tough to fish so that's post spawn and then from there you have uh early summer so summer pretty much i would i would cat- categorize early summer and post spawn kind of together um but yeah summer bass fishing did you want to talk about like smallmouth or largemouth? anything specific because it, it really varies on the technique
0: yeah i mean kyle what do you think
1: um i would i maybe hit hit a little bit of each just uh brief overview
2: yeah yeah so okay yeah so largemouth they'll they'll generally stay so once that post-spawn early summer is kind of over then these these females will actually move in back into the shallows just because there's 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 much more food there right so they don't have to work as hard all the food is there bluegill spawn is about to happen the sunfish the bluegill they're about to spawn so that's easy easy meals for them um my favorite um what you want to look for in in summer for largemouth especially when it gets extremely hot is shade um it could be anything. It could be like a little shadow that's casted from the tree on the shoreline. It could be lily pads. It could be a dock, under a dock, any of those things. You want to focus on the shade line. Usually those fish will be sitting in the shade, and they'll be looking out onto the sun. Um, into, or Not on, not into the sun, but kind of out where that shade line is, just because that, that sun will really will shine on that bait fish and they could see it much easier yeah yeah so i like to i would say three baits i would throw in the summer for largemouth. mouth uh, one is a a senko which mm-hmm. is it's a soft plastic stick bait wacky rig so you just fold fold that stick bait in half take uh take like a number like a like a number one or a, a one or a one-aught hook and just hook it dead center and you just you would just cast it to the docks and then you would you would just pretty much just let it shimmy because 90 percent of the time they'll hit it on the fall yeah so and then two is a frog these these fish are aggressive. These fish, the water's warm, so they're moving extremely fast. Their metabolism is is through the roof, so they they need to eat. So if they see a frog, you know, in the shade line or up against the shore, especially, they'll they'll pinpoint that and they'll they'll target that. Generally, uh, frog fishing and largemouth bass in the summer just go hand in hand because you're generally around cover for large mouth um, in the summertime and then third i would say is a texas rig so what it is it's just you have your main line and then usually you'll have like a bobber stop on that main line uh, and then you'll have a sliding weight uh depending on the size of of the soft plastic lure you're using, like a three to four uh EWG hook, mm-hmm. and then you'll throw a creature bait. Uh, it just imitates like a, a crawfish or a
1: bluegill.
0: Yeah. In, it, <clears throat> in the summertime, are you finding these fish making more? Uh, are they more willing to chase down your baits compared to like other times of the year?
2: So. it yes because like i said the water's warm right but if it gets too hot just like everything else they get sluggish yeah so if that water temperature raises like the water temps too high or the sun's too high and it's midday um of course there's exceptions to that but yes they they will chase the bait a little bit more they they are willing to travel further distances to get that bait just because the water's warm. Um but yeah.
0: Nice. <clears throat> so let's kinda loop back and let's you know spring fishing's here. Let's kind of get some rundowns on what kind of rods are you running? What kind of setups are you running? Do you prefer like bait casters? Do you prefer spinning, spinning rods? Um, and then like, well, you know, what size are you doing? Like a, a medium heavy, heavy, or do you, you like light rods? Kind of what, what's your preference on that?
2: So for largemouth bass, I like to run medium to medium heavy rods, anywhere from seven to seven and a half feet. That's generally what I have on there. And then uh, the line depends on the lure i'm using so let's say if i was using uh, the texas rig i'd use i depending on it also depends on what cover i'm throwing it around um but generally i would throw that on 15 pound fluorocarbon line on a bait caster, and i'll be flipping that around grass edges of grass uh under docks edges of docks uh now if you're gonna go into the grass and go deeper in that cover of course you want heavier line so i'll i'll go from 20 to 25 uh it may seem a little overkill especially for like some trout guys they always think it's you know overkill the line but when you get you know a five pound bass deep in the cover and it's got you wrapped around the boat dock or the grass or tree limbs try you know try getting that out with 12 to 15 pound line it's it's not going to happen you're going to break that fish off before anything yeah um and then for like let's say that wacky rig senko i'll go a seven foot medium with 15 pound braid. I like the 15 pound braid because it's. I think it's like a four pound diameter line, so it's it's really thin. I could fit a lot on my spool, and it's increased sensitivity. And then I'll put um, a leader line on there. I'll go from anywhere from like a eight to ten pound fluorocarbon, uh, like 12 feet, 12 foot of the leader, and then I'll have that wacky rig on there. So, so I would say anywhere from seven, seven to seven and a half feet for, for both sides, medium to medium heavy, just depends on the technique you're doing. Um, You could get away with those two and and be perfectly fine.
1: Nice. So what, um, what are you going to be, I mean, you kind of talked about, like, what are you going to be throwing, what are you going to be targeting? What else should I guess people know about um, the spring? Maybe what else part of their setup should they be be prepared for?
2: Um, hmm. I think I cut, kind of touched up on the, the rods. Um, I didn't really touch up on the reels yet. Yeah, go for so, it. Yeah, yeah. So a size, size twenty five hundred reel is generally all you're gonna need for like a spinning reel at least. Mm-hmm. And then a bait caster, usually. I haven't bought a bait caster in so long, but I think generally they're around like a, a hundred to two hundred size bait caster reels are gonna be the general general consensus for those type of rods and it's all you really need um uh, one thing though is to have a lot of terminal tackle uh depending where you're fishing um as with anything you're you're gonna get snagged up so so weights just extra weights of hooks kind of double of everything you've got yeah for sure should be be set
1: i um back in washington i used to fish like banks Lake quite a bit you know lake roosevelt and throwing things on jig heads into the cliffs you're losing a lot of jig heads like you got to go make sure you got a bunch of hooks because it's not if you're gonna lose stuff it's how much you're gonna lose during that day
2: yeah that's another excellent fishery in eastern washington is bank lakes uh, banks lake
0: for sure um that's why I only fish in the summertime. So when I hook into a log, I can swim out to it and, and get it.
1: <laughs> so um you were talking about how you mainly sounds like you mainly use um spinning spinning reels. Is there a reason for that over bait casting reels?
2: Oh well I'm I mainly I might have I might have said that as a mistake, but I I do mainly use use um baitcaster. Okay. Uh yeah, there I mean, yeah. You kind of
0: you mentioned you run braid. How come you choose like braid over like monofilament?
2: So, monofilament for bass guys is honestly a thing of the past. Um just there there's not really a not much techniques or lures you'd use monofilament with, you can use it, but braid is kind of the thing now. Um, so braid has, I mean, practically zero stretch. So you get an instant response to your lure with braid. As soon as you twitch that rod, your your lure moves. As soon as you set the hook, that lure moves. Um, so if you were to use a topwater frog, you could throw it on you could use 50 pound braid but it's only the diameter of 12 pound monofilament monofilament like you you can't use you know 50 pound monofilament on a bait reel it's just not going to work it's going to be a disaster um that's the other thing is monofilament has a lot of memory so if monofilament's been sitting on your reel for even a week if you're a weekend if you know free spool that thing and you can see it 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 coils up and it tangles a lot easier yeah um and another thing is braid is not not to rock but braid is really abrasion resistant so you could take braid and you could actually cut you know pieces of wood with it like i have a hundred pound braid in my hunting pack wrapped on my Nalgene bottle just in case I need to cut down, you know, limbs or, or what, or whatnot. So, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's lightweight too. So that's, that's always good. But yeah, I mean, that's why I prefer braid over, over monofilament.
1: How about, how does fluorocarbon work into that for you?
2: So, okay. I'll, I'll kind of explain the three just because I think it's a I think it's a good thing. So braid, right? Braid floats, zero stretch, very abrasion resistant, except to rocks. You take a rock and you rub braid tight up against it; it'll cut that braid up really easily. And then monofilament, it floats, um, but it has a lot of stretch, and it's it's not really abrasion res- resistant to, I would say around around brush so trees wood it's it's not that abrasion resistant against that and um it's it's not invisible like fluorocarbon is Uh, and the fluorocarbon fluorocarbon sinks and it doesn't have as much stretch as um as monofilament i think it's in between as far as like how 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 much stretchiness is it has. It's kind of in between fluoro and and that braid. So uh fluorocarbon is invisible. Is it's I think they most companies, most line companies, I don't know how true it is, but they say around 98% visible in the water. Um, it sinks, it doesn't have as much stretch. So it, it's it's very close to braid uh, those are i mean braid and fluorocarbon are two my two main lines i use yeah so, um, wh- one thing i didn't mention though is monofilament is is excellent if you're gonna if you're starting out uh if you're gonna start out bass fishing and you have 12-pound monofilament and you want to throw a crankbait. Because when you cast that bait out and you're reeling in that crankbait and a fish hits, you actually want that stretch. You actually want that give for, for the fish to get to get hooked well. With braid, you pull the hooks right out of their mouth. With fluoro, it's, it's kind of the same thing. So I think mono has its place when you're starting out. And – If it's below 15 pound test, in my opinion, yeah, that makes
1: sense. That's cool. I've, um, I know it's very similar in fly fishing. We have different uses for mono and for fluorocarbon, not not so much with the braid just because of the nature of what we're using, but, um, very similar reasons why we do those two lines, um, in, in our industry or in our our
0: fishing
1: mm-hmm.
0: um i can't remember <clears throat> so let's say this say this spring right i'm a new angler i'm looking to go fish uh like i'm looking to go fish let's say lake washington right mm-hmm. and i don't have a boat what's the best way that I can do some like e-scouting before I head out and kind of figure out where I want to go.
2: Okay. Yeah. That's, that's uh, that's a good question. So generally like you mentioned Lake Washington, Lake Washington has a ton of shoreline access um, just because it's a bigger lake, obviously. And, and I would say it's kind of an urban fishery. So they do give that public access to people um to e-scout i would i would i would start by looking at parks because generally parks it's obviously easy access easy parking and springtime parks are actually one of the go-to places for for fish to move up to um especially if that park has a boat launch because park parks hold or boat launches hold a hard bottom it, it they need that hard bottom for so boats don't you know wash out the bottom obviously but that hard bottom is needed for these fish to spawn so they'll they'll move up to those those areas and and you know the males will clean clean the nests off, they'll fan uh, that area and have an exposed spot for them to, to spawn on. But yeah, I mean, parks, any of the parks, uh, I can even, a good one is like Clark Beach Park on Mercer Island, Jean Coulon Park's another good one, um, New Castle Beach Park, um, if it's not too busy, like all those places, you're, you're going to have more than enough like areas depending on how much time you have to really really break down uh the spring fishing techniques so yeah gotcha. as, as like that like e-scouting goes yeah
1: and so it sounds like there's a lot of opportunities Then, if somebody doesn't have a, a boat they there's a lot of opportunity to hit stuff off the bank then
2: yeah i mean that's that's how i started bass fishing that's where i took everything in Uh, as a younger angler i didn't have a boat you know i'd have i'd have my mom drop me off at the park that's another thing if you're a young angler i think it's i think it's easier to convince your parents to drop you at a park compared to like a random shoreline on the lake so i always recommend parks to people but yeah there's there's more than more than enough uh access for 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 anglers with no boats and Springtime is the best actually for shoreline anglers because, you know, like we mentioned before, these fish are moving up shallow to spawn. So you don't need to go deep and fish offshore.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> what are some things that people can maybe plan on prior to going out? Um, so let's say somebody's um, looking at again e-scouting and they're looking at a park maybe and they're trying to figure out just how they can be successful should they look at weather what kind of weather should they look for um should they pack anything specific uh, can you get into that a little bit
2: yeah so generally when you're you're shoreline fishing you don't want to haul a ton of rods obviously because you're going to be walking so mm-hmm. i have a backpack i have a couple of tackle boxes in there and I'll bring two rods. Um, one rod, I'll bring a Texas rig Senko weightless. Um, so that's a stick bait, Texas rig, no weight, just 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 a soft plastic. That soft plastic is infused with salt um, depending on the brand you get, but most of them are infused with salt, so that's more than enough to cast that thing out of ways. And then the second rod would be a moving bait, uh a crankbait or a spinner bait to, to cover water. Right. So I have those two rods and the weightless, you want to probably throw that on a spinning rail. It's just a lot easier to throw that on a on a spinning rail because it's it's light. You generally want heavier lures on the baitcaster. <clears throat> and then You could throw the crankbait or spinnerbait on uh, on a baitcaster or spinning reel, uh, depending on your skill level. So, and then as far as weather goes, um, the I mean, I always say I try to fish as much as I can. But if like let's say you had a day to pick, I would. So let's say in springtime, these fish are looking for consistency in the weather. They want to make sure that weather is stable. They want to make sure that weather's consistent enough for them to move up, you know, look for look for breeding grounds and not get pushed off by cold weather uh, or a, col- a a cold front. So any, any three days is usually like a three de- three days of stable weather around the same temperature. It could be sunny or cloudy, but as long as that temperature is stable, especially the night temperature, because um in the springtime the nights are still are still pretty long. So the night temperatures really drop that water temp. So as long as it's stable for three days, um I'll I'll look for that in the weather and I'll I'll go out and then um that's that's what I look for weather-wise gotcha yeah
1: um anything else that you think people should should be prepared for to be more successful out there this spring
2: um let's see you
1: got the rods you got the baits um
2: i would say just just cover water um cover water, cover a lot of water, cover as much as water water as you can. Um, of course I mean that's limited to the amount of shoreline access you have but mm-hmm. like I said, these fish like we already mentioned going out on on a stable like a stable weather pattern of three days if that weather's stable enough and you know we mentioned that these fish just want to eat, and these fish just want to spawn. If you cover water and you know you throw that crankbait or you throw a spare bait and it crosses in front of its site it's it's going to eat it. And you know, once you find that one fish, there's going to be more moving up that that little area you caught that fish in. And then you could slow down with like a, a uh, like that stick bait we mentioned. So that's why I like to have a moving bait and a uh, and a senko just so you could slow down and and fish that area a lot more thoroughly because that fish is there for a reason um and then one thing is um polarized glasses they're a huge help like a lot of people don't realize that but when i i i started fishing and i never wore them but the moment i wore polarized glasses like it doesn't even have to be anything expensive or brand specific as long as they're polarized it cuts the glare in the water by about 80 percent, and you'll you'll see a lot a lot of fish um like I said because they're cruising the shallows looking for that place places to spawn so i think that's a that that's a big tip there's a polarized glasses i mean you could go to walmart and pick some up for like 15 dollars you could even go to a gas station sometimes they'll have them for like 10 bucks
1: yeah for sure i used to go to walmart back home and you could buy like like you said like 15 dollar ones but then they'd have like this little bin of sunglasses that weren't like in a package and they were like five bucks yeah buy a bunch of them because i don't know about you guys but man i lose a lot of sunglasses lately i've been doing better i've got some better sunglasses that are more expensive and i don't want to lose but when i was like younger buying five dollar sunglasses i'd be buying several pair a year
2: yeah, yeah, that's how I started. is the those little bin on like the bottom shelf of Walmart in the in the box. Um yeah, no no container, no no nothing. It wasn't even in any packaging. It just there's like a couple striking king ones and yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just I I I was kind of in the same boat, Kyle, until I like I spent the money and bought myself a nice pair and now like I, I'm always putting them back in the same spot. And like, if they're not there, I'm like going to find them because that way I, I'm just not spending the money and, and looking for them. Because if you think about it, like over the years, you spend all that money over time, it adds up to, it's like, wow, I could have just bought a pair of nice sunglasses, you know, (laughs) but everyone's different.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, ever since I, I got a more, pricey repair i've been taking care of my glasses more yeah um, just because obviously it's expensive so you're a lot more careful where it goes
0: well too you forgot to mention is that it's also like eye protection because it's like oh, I mean, yeah like yeah why fishing but i found it when i'm bass fishing too like you're out there whipping lures around that's you bring that back up to someone's face you know it's better than their than them getting a hook to their eye
2: and that that tends to happen a lot um, <coughs> just because just miss hook sets and if like i said you're casting in and around cover so you're gonna you're gonna hook a branch once in a while and then you just try to shake that thing off and then <laughs> you literally put so much force into yanking that thing back and it just comes flying at you yeah
1: oh That's for sure i especially you know like a treble hook i remember I think I was like a freshman or a sophomore in high school. And there was a bunch of us fishing this pond in the Yakima Valley. And I was fishing and I hear just like this bloody murder scream. And I turned around and one of my buddies had hooked my other buddy in the neck with a crankbait oh. with like a giant treble hook. <laughs> and it's like, and he wasn't wearing sunglasses. So he was lucky, but yeah, definitely for eye protection. Mm-hmm. Oh, you
0: almost need like a full body armor when you're out bass fishing especially (laughs) with those treble hooks yeah and they're all barbed you get like and somehow they always at least for me they always land up like in weird ways like one will hook you and then it'll like roll and hook you the other way and you're like
2: oh that didn't feel good Uh, yeah the worst is getting it in your clothing we're just any barb hook but
0: yeah Uh but there's just like it, it's like more challenging like if you had a single barb hooked in your arm you know you're like oh, okay but like when you hook one in your arm and then you got the other two still pointing up at you you're like fuck like, like what
2: how do, I do? how do i yank this out We're yeah getting the other two
0: because it's like yeah great you got this one but now you just put it in your other hand now you got to work by getting it out of your other hand
1: but yeah well, Keaton, you want to ask that that question there? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so now we're
0: kind of rolling into our favorite time of the night, Adrian. Um, we like to do this at the end of every podcast. It's our rapid fire round. So we'll give you a, a series of questions here, and just kind of whatever you know pops up or you can think about first, we'll just uh, roll with it. So all right, let's do it. Kyle, you can start us off.
1: All right. Uh, so, Adrian, what's your favorite fish to catch?
2: Smallmouth bass.
0: What is your dream destination to go fishing? Uh,
2: Brazil for peacock bass.
1: Nice. Right. Um, what's the favorite, your most favorite place that you have fished? <sighs> why why
0: i like it nice what is your favorite meal slash drink for the day for a day of fishing
2: i like me some some flaming hot cheetos uh those peanuts that you get for 99 cents at the gas station oh, nice. or or some like ranch or ranch barbecue sunflower seeds um with like a like a sweet tea or like a sugar-free energy drink that's kind of my go-to
1: nice all right adrian you're driving to the river to or the lake the fish for the day we're cruising out there getting all pumped up what are you listening to on the radio
2: uh anything probably anything Kane brown or or luke combs i've been loving luke combs lately nice uh, yeah
0: you're headed out the door to go fish what's the first thing that you grab to go fishing
2: headed out the door the first thing i grab like as soon as i hit out that door
0: like you're getting ready you're heading out the door what's the, the house without it yeah you can't let that's we should just rephrase that question kyle can't leave the house without it
2: Polarized glasses
0: that's a common we need to like take tally because uh,
2: i like i've i've left them before and i'm like damn it i'll, I'll drive the five minutes come back and grab them because yeah. they just did they, they just play such a big part
1: i sure it just makes your day that much better yeah so you know, what's something that you wish you knew when you first started bass fishing
2: how much money i'd be putting into this (laughs) 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 to be honest because it's like i mean i'm sure with you guys you could start start off with like maybe one or two rods or one or two baits or lures or flies and then you just immerse yourself into it and it's like (laughs) you just keep learning new things and um yeah i would say just how much money yeah. How much money i'd be spending into this for sure
0: so <clears throat> we're gonna we're getting towards the end of our podcast here adrian uh, we also like to add on your favorite fish like your favorite fishing story that you know um it can be good it can be bad it can be something you learned, something that you didn't know anything of that sort so whatever is your favorite fish story let's end it with this and We'll end it. You get what I'm saying.
2: Favorite fish <sighs> story. Um, that one I'm going to have to think about. Give me a sec.
0: Yeah, you're all good.
2: Hmm. I think, (laughs) I think it's going to have to be, it's going to have to be, I, I don't know if I have any, like a favorite fish story because I have so much memories, but I think like one thing i will always remember is is always is is walking on the pier in california at 4 a.m. to go fishing with my grandpa and my dad like i i i it's really hard for me to think about you know a uh, a specific fishing yeah. story but i mean that i don't know there's just something about to California, just just waking up that early as a kid and and um, just walking on the pier.
0: Yeah. Yeah. thank you, man. That's awesome. What was like the coolest fish you caught on the pier?
2: Uh, I've caught stingrays. I've caught a hammerhead, like a, a little one. I've what else um is variety yeah man it's just the warm water ocean is just is, is so much it's so different just yeah fishy catch but i would say is is uh it would be i would say it's that the little hammerhead
0: yeah that's yeah. cool thank yeah well we're ready to send this out let's do it Heaton. Tell want me to do it? Yeah, if you want to do it today, you can.
1: Sweet. Well, Adrian, uh, we appreciate you hopping on the podcast today and and really breaking down a bunch of techniques and insight on bass fishing in Washington. Um, I think people listening to the this podcast better be taking notes because you definitely dropped some, some really good tips and um, and I mean, like super specific details that I think people can really benefit from, and go out this spring or this summer and try to catch a large mouth or a small mouth. And I, I'm I'm glad you did touch on um, fishing both the east side and the west side. Because I mean, there's a lot of people on the west side, obviously, and it's cool to have that opportunity uh, to do that close to such a big population density, but also either for folks on the east side or people wanting to go on the east side and have a little bit different type of fishery where you're more in the shrub step, you're more fishing um, like the reservoirs off the Columbia or or some of those other dams out there, um, just having that variety. So I'm glad you touched on all those different things. Um, We really appreciate that and and hearing a little bit about your background and the fishing that you've done um, quite a few different places. So appreciate you hopping on there, Adrian
2: yeah for sure thanks for having me guys uh i I really just just (laughs) scraped the top there there's a lot more to know about bass fishing but um, i'm sure we'll chat again soon we'll discuss more techniques more lures um as this this season comes so yeah thanks for having me guys Uh,
1: absolutely for sure well we appreciate everybody listening to this episode with adrian Uh, We also appreciate you guys leaving us reviews and ratings on the various podcast platforms that we are on. Um, Apple Podcasts, we're getting some great reviews. Feel free to go on there, give us a rating, let us know what you guys think, how you're enjoying these episodes. Uh, We really appreciate everything that we've heard about, uh, all the feedback that we've heard and um, that you guys are going on there and listening. Spotify also has um, an option to rate us on there. So if you guys could do that, we'd really appreciate it um head on over to our youtube channel we're uploading things i wouldn't say super regularly but i mean at least one video a week um fly tying tutorials we got a few of them up there some of my favorite um guide flies super easy to tie super effective um crank a bunch out in a short period of time uh we've got some kind of more of a gear breakdown talking about what we're packing things we're using uh when we're recreating outdoors putting that on there and then we also have the podcast on there you can go to our website it has links to our youtube it's got links um to um like contact info for some of our guests and a little bit more of a bio we'll we'll have adrian um send us a bio you can learn a little bit more about him um and any other information he wants people to know about bass fishing you can go to our website and find that there listen to the podcast there and then also our instagram and our facebook you can like or follow us or however you want to do it on those different platforms and uh, just stay up to date we're updating now that we're both keaton and i are getting out more um hunting and fishing this spring we're uploading things like semi-live on our instagram stories and we're posting photos and videos on our um on our instagram and on our facebook and sharing all these events of things that are happening now that the weather is finally getting nice and hopefully be sharing some photos of uh, adrian's bass here um as he starts pulling some out of the lake so if you guys yeah. could go to all those pages like and follow us subscribe to us i uh, would really appreciate it anything else i'm i missed there keaton yeah. I just want to add an apology because I've been kind of behind on
0: the, uh, the website, but <clears throat> because of some personal stuff, but uh, hopefully I'll be able to get that updated here pretty soon. So. thank yeah. That's my only thing. So, and uh, we, like Kyle said, we appreciate you all for taking the time and just listening to our podcast it
1: means the world to us. For sure. And with that, Catch you guys on the next one.